All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together as family to fellowship in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we know from Holy Scripture, the Word of God, that it is the truth that sets us free. Thank you for giving us this truth, Father, and thank you for providing us with freedom in time while here on earth, Father. What a grace gift that is. May we never become familiar with it, but understand it for what it is, an expression of your love. We pray for those in the congregation that can't be with us, that want to be here, Father. We pray for their healing and their comfort, that you bring them back to us in your good timing. We pray also, of course, for those that are still lost in this world, um, without hope, Father, that they be humbled and receive saving faith before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to make a morning like this a time to rejoice. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, the Lord is our confidence, part 66. Um, Why not begin with... God's perspective on the 66 parts we've been on to date uh, in this series. Here's what he's been saying, and he just sort of gathered together all the pieces since last June. Uh, We've had some insertion points, other uh, short series like Life is Good and uh, Eternal Assurance, Uh, and so he just wanted to give us a big picture perspective of what he was doing and has been doing and continues to do with this congregation. So here's what the Spirit's been saying to this congregation. The Lord is the giver of all things good, James 1.17. Beginning with life eternal, which is really his life, uh, John 3.16. His grace provides us with every ability to obey him, 1 Corinthians 15.10 and to love him, 1 John 4.19. This gives us confidence and affords us the life is good attitude, Romans 8.28. So, all of that is the big picture. What I mean, there's so much there, right? Amen? There's just so much there, and there's so much meat on that bone, right? It's just, we could just chew on it forever, um, really. But... Instead of just remaining um, academic, even when I say the word curriculum, it it sort of echoes, you know, uh, academia, where we might say, oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, it's so awesome, the things we're learning, and it's so great how things come together in the soul, and we start seeing things, and we see the big picture, and we start gaining wisdom, and that's all great. But then the Spirit says, okay, that's cool. I'm glad you've got the information, but life happens. You have a life. There's a reason why I'm giving you this information. And one of the probing questions we've been uh, given this past week was, when you're under pressure, who do you turn to? I mean, that's all great, fine, and dandy, right? I mean, if that's our curriculum, he's preparing us for success. He's preparing us for these times because life happens, 
and it's just, a, I hate to use a big word, but it's a cacophony, right? It's just noise from every direction, just pressure from all directions, right? Um, what do you do? It's great that you got the wisdom, or at least the knowledge. Uh, what do you do under pressure? Because life really is like a, a pressure cooker in many ways. So that question pre uh, precipitated several thoughts ending with the same basic biblical conclusion. Um, and as we think that way, think about this week's blog, which was titled, Every Circumstance in Life is a Spiritual One. So it's great that we have this spiritual guidance, this curriculum, this sort of vector towards, you know, we might say this is how we're sanctified, it begins with knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we can fracture our thinking. That's what the, the blog was about. We can take all that goodness and put it on a shelf and say, oh, that's great for Sunday mornings and maybe a little bit of Sunday afternoon. No, this is about your entire life, 24-7 by 365. You got it? Your entire life. We don't categorize away the things of God. We don't learn them and say, that's great for my spiritual life. But I also have, in addition to my spiritual life, I have this other life over here that I live. And I categorize them out. Because one's accommodating to God, and one's accommodating to my flesh. And we play this game. Uh, we call it double-mindedness. We'll get to that in a moment, but... Again, um, this precipitated the point on the board, when you're under pressure, who do you turn to? Uh, it precipitated a biblical conclusion. When under pressure, remember this for starters, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 15 in the Living Bible translation, don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. That's fantastic advice. Don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? And what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a Christian be a partner with one who doesn't believe? Hmm. So, as we investigated this this past week, as we looked at it, that question on the board earlier, uh, the difficulty for us is this little thing called partiality. This little thing called part, this fracturing, right? I mean, if you have a whole thing, right? It's whole, but if I go like this, there's two parts, right? Partiality, take it apart. Apply one set of rules here now, one set of rules here, right? Instead of applying one set of rules to your entire life, Partiality fractures your thinking and says, I'm going to apply it this way over here and this way over here. I'm going to have one set of rules for these people and have another set of rules for these. That's what partiality is, and it destroys all the goodness when you take something as a whole, that little thing called your life. And so this difficulty has been um, this ever-present temptation to be partial, um, if our fervency for the truth is fire, let's say we're fervent for the truth. I, I want to obey the Lord. I understand the truth. I've been given that wonderful curriculum we just highlighted. 
I get it. I want it. I'm fired up for it. Partiality is like baking soda, if you know anything about how baking soda works uh, on fire. If you're not familiar with the way baking soda works, it essentially releases carbon dioxide, starving the fire of the oxygen it needs to thrive. And so partiality starves our desire to obey God. We know the right thing to do. That's it. God is unity, right? He's, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His mind is not fractured. It's very simple. It's called unity. It's just singular. That's it. Um, when we do this, we can no longer obey him the way we ought to because now we have a split mind. That's what partiality, it's in parts. We start viewing life in parts. This is my spiritual life, and this is my other life. That immediately takes you away from all the goodness um, in living the spiritual life, living one life. So partiality starves our desire to obey God. Since God is perfect, never disoriented to himself, this is what we see in Holy Scripture. It makes total sense, right? He's never disoriented. He doesn't do this to himself. He's one. He's unity. Uh, therefore, Romans 2.11, God shows no partiality. Never. That's it. None. He's never fractured. His thinking's not fractured. He doesn't categorize his mind out uh, and treat some people this way with certain kinds of integrity in another, another way. That is what um, we would expect. This point on the board is what we would expect from the one who's never at fault with himself, never falls below his own divine standards. It's we humans that fail under pressure, as this week's blog highlighted. We fail when the pressure's on. Uh, and that I was thinking about that before class. What does that pressure look like? Well, it comes in all kinds of forms. It's not always, obviously, it's not physical. It's not always just at work or just at home or, you know, just this way or that way. Pressure comes in all sort of shapes and sizes in our life. And the wiser the demons get, the wiser our enemies get uh, about us, the more subtle the attacks tend to be. They find little cracks in the armor and they exploit those cracks. And so what do we do under pressure? Well, we often fail, to be honest. Um, because we have the ability to fail, and failure is sin, and sin brings forth death, a la James 1.15. Again, we conclude this up here on the board, just to drive this home. Partiality, which is a sin, starves our desire to obey God. We can no longer obey God if we have a split mind. We can no longer obey him if we split our minds, if we start showing partiality. So the Spirit was pretty heavy-handed with us on Thursday regarding this topic of partiality. You can ask why. Honestly, because he loves you. That's why. He loves you. As we'll see in a bit, partiality is the most damaging in many, many ways, to the one exercising it. It can damage, as we'll talk about this morning, the receiver of it. But in most ways, it's most damaging to the one exercising it. 
It hurts you, in other words, uh, in the end, as, long as, as well as others. Jesus taught his disciples to apply the truth no matter what. For your sake, don't do this. This hurts you. This is good. One thinking, one life, every circumstance. Uh, this is good. When you split your mind, it's no good. That's when uh, bad things start to happen. So Jesus had no problem, like just saying it as, it as it is, right? Seeing it all as truth. Go to Matthew 10.34. Matthew 10.34. And there's a reason why these things are recorded in the Bible. It's not like the, you know, the writer was saying, oh, well, there's, I guess there's nothing else to write, so I'll just capture some random stuff. No. Every, every uh, you know, every jot, every tittle, in other words, uh, every dot on every I, if you would, is there for a reason. The smallest iota of Holy Scripture is inspired by God the Holy Spirit. We know that from the Word of God itself. So if it's here, it's good for us. If it's here, we should know it. If it's here, we should try to relate to it. Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus was clearly saying that loving the truth is infinitely more important than loving members of our families even. Loving him, he is grace and truth. Uh, he is also the word. Loving him, the word, the truth, is infinitely more important than any kind of love we can express towards even the members of our families or the, peoples, the people that we hold closest to us. It's not even close. Not even close. I've given you this in the past. When you use the word hate, he means it's, it's such a huge distance that it becomes almost a hatred, right? And it's not hate in the way we would normally think of it. But it's just such a huge different distance between loving him and loving any other human being. Um, that's the truth, and that's what he taught us, that Jesus was clearly saying that loving the truth is infinitely more important than loving members of our families even. And if we're honest, that's a difficult pill for some to swallow. It is. It's a difficult pill for some to swallow. I think this is why many of us uh, look like, or what, this is what uh, many of us look like when God says, okay, time to take your anti-partiality medicine. You ready? This is why. Because we have that problem, it's a tough pill to swallow. This is what we look like sometimes when he says, okay, I'm going to give you a message that's going to clear it all up for you, okay? There it is. See? That's you. You see? I don't want it. You know, you try to feed the baby and he's 
That's what goes on. I stand before you. I try to feed you the truth. And some of you are like, I don't want it. I'm going to stay partial to my family until the day I die. I'm not going to surrender any of it. That's you. And all I can tell you from Holy Scripture is you suffer. Not only are you damaging possibly your own children, but you suffer. You suffer. Okay? So we all get a good chuckle out of this, but it's, it's really what we look like figuratively when God gives us medicine for our souls and our flesh balks at it. For many of you, it's when God says, I want you to apply the same truth to family and loved ones as you do to anyone else. Um, and he continues and says, this is what I call integrity. I want you to have one mind on the topic. If something's right, it's right. If something's wrong, it's wrong. That's it. It's really simple. And you'll be blessed for thinking that way and applying that kind of wisdom to your life. Not a little bit over here and a little bit over here. Not some here and none here. Your entire life. That's what integrity looks like. That's what the Word of God teaches us. So he says, this is what I call integrity. And without it, you will suffer. This I promise. So, up here on the board, there is no room for partiality. This includes family members and loved ones. In fact, this warning is especially important when it comes to such individuals in our lives. Why? Because it's dangerous ground. We tend to be most partial with family members and, and loved ones. Do we disown them? Of course not. I mean, if they're not saved, I would really like to evangelize everyone in my life that's, that's not saved. So we do have that ministry left. Um, but we're not to bound up with them. We're not to yoke up with them the way we would even with each other as believers. So nonetheless, we must face the facts the way Jesus did, and that's why we just read Mark uh, 31, thir uh, or we read Mark 3, 31 to 35. Jesus made a public display of his mind on family and where his loyalties lay up here on the board. Mark 3.35, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Hmm, that was right after uh, folks had presented him with, hey, you, you, you know, your, your blood relatives are here. And he said, no, no, he said, see all these people, these people that align with my will, these believers of me, these are my brothers and sisters and mothers. He had no problem saying that. That's where his, quote, loyalties lay. And by the way, it's a great way to, to work through your issues with partiality. Focus on the word loyalty. Focus on the word loyalty. And here's the question up here on the board. Who are you more loyal to, Jesus or family and loved ones? It's a great question. Who are you more loyal to? Jesus or family and loved ones? Uh, that's a question for you to answer, is it not? At the end of the day, and don't say, oh, I'm definitely more loyal to Jesus, and then you go spend all your time in your fellowship with unbelieving family or people that don't care about Jesus one iota, or friends, or 
whatever it is you do. Or you skip out on the grace of God. You don't read the blogs. You don't come to church. You don't support the church. You don't do all kinds of stuff that is godly because of what? Family and loved ones? You suffer. Some of you listen to my voice right now. The reason you're suffering, the reason you're suffering is because of this very thing. There's a reason why he has me teaching this. March 8, 2020. It's because you need to hear it. You're suffering because you still haven't got out of your own head. Jesus isn't your focal point. Still, after all these years, family comes above Jesus. Decisions, you make decisions this way. Okay, I'll go to church, but nothing's going to touch my relationship with my family or loved ones. But Jesus said, I came to separate you two. To do this, okay, if you're over here with your family, right? When he says, I separate you two, he pushes you this way, boom, 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 then you're back with him. See, if you're with them, you're separate. If you're with him, you're separate from them. Unless they're part of this body. You get it? You can't be both. You can't be both. And so that's a fair question. Who are you more loyal to at the end of the day? Recall what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37. He said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Again, the point on the board, there's no room for partiality. This includes family members and loved ones. In fact, this warning is especially important when it comes to such individuals in our lives. Do we disown them? Of course not. However, we must face the facts the way Jesus did. So please do yourselves a favor, favor, if not already, and read this. That is this week's blog. Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one. Will you please read the thing? If you haven't read it yet, I don't even know what to say to you at this point. Read it. It's really important. It's very complimentary to what the Spirit's been saying from this pulpit. And don't say you don't have time. That's garbage. I don't care who you are. You have time. Get off your phone. Unless you're reading the blog. How about that? No, for real. If you add up all the time you just spent texting yesterday, I guarantee it's way longer than it would have taken you to read the blog. So don't tell me, oh, I don't have time. What are you talking about? You're miserable because of what I'm talking to you about right now. The Spirit speaking is not Ed Collins. It's the Spirit knocking on the door, saying, hey, wake up. This thing, it's, it's destroying you. It's, just, it's, it's killing your fellowship. Partiality is the sin that results from the temptation to show favor to someone based on a personal relationship. Here's our way out of this temptation. Up here on the board, avoiding the trap. If we are to apply the lens of Jesus Christ, that's the importance, right? The Word of God, that's why we have to read the Bible. If we're to apply that lens, the very mind of Christ, to life itself, the very last thing we want to do is to be partial. It's the very last thing we want to do is become partial. 
Partiality just might be one of the greatest destructive forces of all in our lives. To drive this point home, the Spirit asked us to consider the weak parent. Now, just settle down, parents, all right? This isn't about you, so stop being so self-absorbed. It is, but it isn't. You get the point? The fact that you're a parent, hey, that's great. That's called a blessing from God. But if you're going to take the blessing of the child, then shouldn't you take the blessing of the wisdom towards that child? Or do you just want to take the child, like Paul would say, oh, were you born in the Spirit, now you're going to perfect yourself by the flesh? Oh, I'm going to give you this little blessing called a child, and then you're going to raise it in your own partial way? You'll take part of my blessings, not all of them? How do you think that's going to end for you? Honestly. How do you think that's going to end for you? You start with the blessing and then you destroy it by being partial, by forking off and saying, hey, thanks, God, I'll take it from here. Hmm. So anyways, it's just an example to drive a greater point home. Okay? And I think since we're all children and or parents, I mean, we're minimally children, we understand the dynamic of the family. So the Spirit asks us to consider the weak parent, the one who shows partiality to their kids. First of all, here's a good question. Why would a parent want to ever set their kids up for failure like that? Why would a parent ever want to set up their kids for failure like that? The world certainly isn't going to show them partiality, and neither is God. All you're doing when you teach your kids that partiality is so-called a loving act, right? I'm going to enable them for the 150th time when I know the right thing to do is to not. All you're teaching your kids with partiality and calling it a loving act is really just setting them up for pain and suffering later on when you're no longer around, you know, to bail them out. Hmm, up here on the board. Partiality debilitates children. Partiality with children is bad parenting. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Partiality in any role in your life is bad. If you're a parent and you're partial, then it's bad parenting, to be specific. It sets a child up for a life of disappointment. Do you want to do that as a, as a parent? I don't. It sets a child up for a life of disappointment. In other words, failed expectations that the weak parent instills in their kids. It's also an affront to the Lord, the one rightful Savior. You are not the Savior of your children. Remember that. You are not the Savior of your children. The Lord is. You're not going to save them by loving them to death or enabling them or being partial towards them. You are destroying their happiness by instilling that in them. And then they get out in the real world and they can't take it. And so they collapse, they implode. Gee, I wonder why. Because the world isn't partial towards them, you see. Not anybody with integrity anyways. The world's going to chew them up and spit them out. And God's going to say, listen, I told you, I'm not partial either. It's an affront to the Lord, the one rightful Savior in this world. Parents who show partiality injure their own children, the ones they love the most. That's not love for them, it's love for self. That's not love for them. 
That's love for self. You want to be the hero. You want to be the savior. You want to function outside of godly integrity to save your kid. You ain't saving anything. You obviously can't even save yourself by your own. Of course, you can't, but you get the point. What do we do? We damage our own kids, and that's the point. I know those are strong words, but some of you hearing my voice right now need to listen to them. Being a good parent means exercising the utmost integrity at all times, even when your kids suggest they don't like you very much. Oh, why is everybody laughing? Right? How many people have said that to their parents? You don't understand. I don't even like you. And I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah, I kind of do. And even if I don't, I understand what the Word of God has to say about you especially in your flesh. But that should not sway us one bit. It doesn't seem to sway us when it's somebody that we don't care about. Why would it sway us when it's someone we do care about? Integrity is integrity, right? Truth is the truth, right? Amen? There you go. It shouldn't matter if I'm dealing with somebody I can't stand or someone I love to death. It should not matter. It shouldn't matter to any of us, whether we're a parent or a, a, a school teacher or a, a, a prep school teacher. It doesn't matter. Or a pastor. It doesn't matter. I'm exercising impartiality right now because some of you don't like me very much right now. I wish you would get off this topic. This is what integrity looks like. Sometimes people won't like you when you exercise it. So... So be it. If you're functioning with integrity to the Word of God and your kids despise you for it, then I submit the following to you for encouragement's sake. Go to Romans 8.5. Romans 8.5. If you're a parent, it's going to happen. Because every single child ever born in this world was born in the flesh. Which means that if you function with integrity to the Word of God, you literally are opposed to their flesh. You're opposed to them, because that's all they know, is the flesh. And so there's a collision that happens every single day. As long as you function in integrity, there's a collision after collision after collision after collision. Right? But you're supposed to overcome good with what? Good, not evil. I mean, overcome evil with what? Good. That's what the Bible says. You overcome evil with good. You don't add another evil to it to try to be the savior by being partial. That just exacerbates the situation. Now you've got two people functioning in the flesh without integrity to the word. Romans 8.5 For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not good, is it? You're not going to expect a whole lot when it's death is in view, right? Not th no things like you know peace and happiness and contentment. Not in this context. That means to move away from the, the, the wonderful things of God. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You see? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. 
for it does not submit to God's law. I won't do it. Indeed, it cannot even. Hmm. So here's my encouragement for you parents who have to deal with the fleshly children, you know, who threaten to, quote, dislike you unless you bend to their will. This is my encouragement to you parents out there who have children like that, who say, unless you bend to my will, I don't like you very much. Remember the theme of our blog, every circumstance in life is a spiritual one. And by the way, the human flesh hates that I keep repeating that. Hates it. Wants you to do this. Do you understand? Because you do this, human flesh is given a little nugget, isn't it? The human flesh has a little bit of control. Or maybe you're in this way. Right? Maybe you give the flesh a lot of control. I don't know. But the flesh does not like a unified thought and integrity to the word. It likes to fracture. It likes to separate. It likes to divide. What did Jesus say? A house divided cannot stand. Right? So the flesh is always going to try to divide your thinking. So it hates when I say that every circumstance in life is a spiritual one. Here's my encouragement when said flesh in your kids expects you without question to show partiality. Go to Luke 10.16. Luke 10.16. This is for the parental perspective. This is from a parental perspective. This is my encouragement, or the Spirit's encouragement, I should say. Luke 10, 16. <clears throat> the one who hears you hears me. Okay? In other words, if you're functioning with integrity, you're just presenting grace and truth on the table. Do you understand? That's what you serve up to others. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, who are they rejecting? You? No. Me. That's the importance of integrity, the importance of integrity. You put the word on full display. You let the word of God bear the brunt, bear the load, bear the weight of this, you know, despising you. For actually, you let the word do the heavy lifting. How's that sound? And know that when they reject that truth, they are not rejecting you, they are rejecting him. He is that truth. Do you understand? That's the beauty of function. And you are delivered. You don't go home with your tail between your legs. You're not upset that, that someone's flesh, who you would expect to do this, is against you because you presented the truth. You go home and say, hey, the Lord's got it. That's between them and the Lord. I did my job. Now, if I, did, if I was mistaken and I got all Savior-like and said, to heck with the Word of God, I'm going to start injecting all kinds of my personal viewpoints outside of Holy Scripture. I'm going to start doing all kinds of, you know, psycho-babbling and all that stuff. And I'm going to try to, like, work my way through. And we're going to work through this in our flesh. And that person's flesh is like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. Because now I just did this to you. Now I separated you from the thinking of the Lord, from the mind of Christ. Now you're weak. Now I have a chance to control you. That's what the flesh does. Instead of all that mess, especially as a parent, as, instead of all that mess, know this, verse 16, the one who hears you, 
Here's me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me, my Father in heaven. That's beautiful. Do you know how freeing that is for someone with integrity? Someone who really does earnestly desire to function in the truth in any and every circumstance. One who has this mind right here, folks. This one. One, you know, is, their mind is unified, not fractured, no partiality. Just says, this is it. This is it. One mind. I just want, what does Christ think about this situation? What would Christ say in this moment to this brat of a child? What would Christ say in that moment? Would he compromise? When did, when did Jesus Christ ever compromise? Never. So guess what? Never does this compromise. And you don't have the right to compromise it. And if you do, you suffer. So just know, you go forth with the word, the word of truth, filled with the spirit, and let the Lord bear the brunt of the load. Because that person, when they reject you, with the word in hand. They are not rejecting you, they are rejecting the word. They are rejecting the one who is the word. Okay? So hopefully you see it. When you function with integrity to the word of God, your child's venom isn't at you. It's at the Lord. It's not you. They want you to think it's you, but it's not you. It's at the Lord. If you stand up for truth and you're filled with the spirit, it's not you that they're spitting venom at. They're spitting it at the Lord. Their problem is not with you. They want to pick a fight with you, but their problem is not with you. It's with the Lord. That's the point. And that is very freeing. Now, what if your son or daughter is living in sin? Let's just say you're a parent, and maybe they're a little older now. Um, What if they're living in sin? Shall you make light of it just because they are your child? What must the father or mother do in order to be pleasing to the Lord to reveal their true loyalty? They must exercise integrity. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Where is your loyalty? Who's your loyalty to? Under pressure, what do you do? Right? Some of the hottest, most difficult times in your life are going to be in the family, right? There's a reason, because you're closest with those people, and it's, mo- it's most painful when you have a conflict with people in your family. Um, but that's the, that's the perfect place to act in integrity. It's the one thing that can deliver the whole bunch of you. Just stick with the Word of God. The flesh, if it's rearing out, does not want to hear from God. That you can say. Does not want any logic, any anything, any truth, any wisdom that actually comes from the word of truth. And it's just going to keep trying to get you there. Get you there. Come on, come on, come on. I'm not going to talk. La, 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 la. You're talking this. I don't want to hear la, la, la. Okay, now we can talk. Right? I can't talk to you right now. Why? Because you're like this. You don't understand. I can't talk to you right now. Oh, I can talk to so-and-so. Yeah, that's because they're in the flesh, dummy. That's because they're your little friend on the side, dummy. You don't think I know what's going on? This is truth. This is where freedom lies. The what will set you free? 
There you go. Amen. End of story. Go home. Just kidding. No, seriously. That is what sets you free. You do not let that go at any cost. Even if your kid is saying, you know, they could be this tall. I hate you. You don't hate me. You hate the word of God. And they'd be like, what? Because they're just little flashballs. But they grow up. I hate you. You don't hate me. You don't like truth. You want it to be me. You want to point fingers. You want to blame me for telling you the truth to your face. Am I to be loved less because I love you more? Yeah, pretty much. Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Pretty much. That's the journey of a godly parent. Joey and Andrea, welcome to the fold. That's the, that's the journey of a godly parent. You get these little fleshly little brats telling you this and that, and you suck, and you're this, and you're that, and you don't understand, and, you're, and then if, as soon as you do this, oh, I love you. Oh, now I know that you love me because you forsook the Lord for me. That's not a proof point that any of us have an option for. That's not proof point. That shows that they love themselves more than the Lord. And that's exactly what the flesh is looking for. And Satan's going, bravo. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted you to forsake the Lord for one of my own. We can't do it. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. In other words, don't give up. Some of you are doing so well. Don't give up. Don't backpedal, backslide, as some theologians would say. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from things like sexual immorality, that each one of you, some of you have children living in sin in this very area, living together, not married, having sex like it's nobody's business, right? When I say that, I say that colloquially, right? That's sexual immorality. Is it correct? You tell me. Do you think that's correct? Sex outside of marriage? Okay, so if you have a, a, a kid that's living in that, what should you say about it? Straight up. You're living in sin. You want to know the truth? That's what the Bible says. And don't say, I think you're living in sin, because now it's between you and them, and the flesh gets involved. Say, the Bible says that you're living in sin, and I believe the Bible. You have a problem with that, you have a problem with the Bible, not me, so lay off. I'm just speaking what Jesus would say. Okay? End of story. So, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because, in other words, do not, oh my goodness, do not be the jackass that makes another person stumbles. That's that's supposedly with Jesus, but is seducing someone into unholy uh, relationships. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. You're not going to get away with that, by the way. The snake in the grass always gets his head pounded. Do you understand? And sometimes you might use a guy like me. 
as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Do you see it? Set apart for His purposes. Separate from that kind of thinking. Verse 8. Therefore, and here's our encouragement. You ready? When we show up for the, with the truth, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Someone who rejects what I just read with you in Holy Writ is not rejecting you. If you say to a person, hey, you're living in sin. That's what the Bible says. They are not, and they get mad at you. They're not rejecting you. They're not even mad at you, really. You're just a, a vessel, right? They're mad at the truth. They're mad at what the Holy God, their Creator, has to say on that topic. And that's your relief. You say, hey, listen, you're not mad with me. You're not mad with, you're mad at the Lord. Because this is the Lord's thinking on this, not my own even. So, just take a moment now to focus on verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. What do you see? What about that scenario where a child threatens to reject the parent's love because with integrity to the word of truth, they refuse to bend to the will of the child? What about that situation? And what about what we just read? What about that, that scenario? I'll ask another question. In that moment, the parent's response will be a function of where their loyalty lay. In that moment, you know that, I used to call it the critical point of discernment, in that pressure cooker, you know when it's like, oh my word, the pressure's at an all-time high. This is where Satan depends on you failing, wants you to fail, right? And this is where mo some of us, depending on our maturity, we sometimes we fail here, sometimes we fail here. We're supposed to go up, pass the test, and then reap the benefits of the proof of our faith. It's this high point where the pressure is at an all-time high. In that moment, you have, the, you have that incredible, unique ability to, to bring glory to God. And, and that's when you get to a point in your maturity that you say, thank you. Thank you for giving me a, like a lead part in this theatron because the angels are even watching. I'm under all, this is the book of Job. I'm under all kinds of pressure, not even due to anything that I'm necessarily doing. And I'm going to give it to you, Lord. And I'm not going to crack. And I'm going to maintain integrity. And I'm not going to become partial I'm not going to fracture. I'm not going to treat this person with partiality because I love them or they're my child or whatever the situation may be. It's your moment. Do you get it? It's like making it to Madison Square Garden as a boxer. This is your moment. You got one shot at the title. Right? And you just go to sleep. Right? Oh, my. That dude's a Hulk. There's no way. I'll take my five, five mil and leave. This is your moment. You get it? You're up here. This is your moment. You got the armor of God. This is a bloodbath, correct? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a pressure situation like that? It's ugly. It's painful. It's destructive. It's all kinds of forces. 
But we're to, as the, as the uh, blog said, right, in the Bible, we're to take all that captive to the obedience of Christ. Take all of those, that beehive, put a wrapper around it, go, whoosh, this is, this is for you, Lord. Whoop, I'm good. I'm going to wrap this whole thing up with integrity and go, this is for you, Lord. You deal with this moron. You deal with this situation. I'm free. So in that moment, the parent's response will be a function of where their loyalty lay. In other words, if the parent loves the Lord more than the child, they will exercise integrity at the risk of alienating their child in that moment. Again, so be it. Up here on the board, sowing darkness in children. To whatever degree a parent shows partiality to their children, to that same degree they are not exercising godly love, but rather fleshly love, which is tantamount to sin, which brings forth death. Let me say it again. To whatever degree a parent shows partiality to their children, to that same degree they are not exercising godly love, but rather fleshly love, which is tantamount to sin, which brings forth death. What could be a fruitful situation, abiding in the sphere of God's love, now because of a fracture, because of partiality, that gets put over here, now we move over to the realm of spiritual death, where none of this goodness is present. That's what partiality does. It takes you out of a situation where you could bring glory to God, and you remain in peace and contentment, and maybe even, uh, you know, like Galatians 6, bring a person in trespass gently back to the fold so that they might join you in that abiding. So if you fracture under pressure, you fracture, this is what happens. Whoop. Now you've joined the flesh. Oof, the flesh over here. And that brings forth death. So says Holy Scripture. Now to be fair, I told you, I tried to forewarn you a lot of emphasis on parenting. and It's not the big picture that we're trying to, that's just one example that, you know, really, it's almost like when we talk about giving, money comes up and people are like, Alligator arms, right? I can't reach. Right? Money comes out because everybody uses money. Everybody in here is either a parent or a child or both. So he likes to use. But are parents the only ones who show partiality towards their children? Or show partiality in general? No, of course not. Of course not. Here are some other areas where partiality seems to reign. Uh, and they're not, it's certainly not exhaustive. It's just within a minute or two, these are the ones that I thought of. Obviously, we just talked about parenting. Uh, or any family relationship. Uh, could, this all could happen with a, with a parent. You're, maybe you're the believer and your parent is using their you know, familial bonds to try to pressure you in another way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Hey, listen, we've been of this religion for years and years. What are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? This is what the Bible says. That can happen. Anyways, how about at work with those of influence? Areas to watch for partiality. At work with those of influence. Suppose you're working with someone or working for someone and they want you to exercise fleshly 
things at work, something you know isn't correct, isn't the will of God, because they, they could care less about Jesus, okay? So literally, you have to think in black and white. I've said this several times over the last year. At this point in my life, there's only two people in this world, believers and unbelievers. That's it. It's literally that simple. If you're working with an unbeliever, guess what? You are working with the unadulterated flesh. And they cannot please the Lord. Did we not just read that in Scripture? They can do nothing to please the Lord because they're literally in the flesh. That's all they are. Stop hoping for better. Stop making excuses, especially at work. Especially at work. Your boss does not care about your relationship with Jesus Christ. How about towards self when it comes time to give? I'm going to let somebody else give this time around. What do you mean this time around? It's been like three years. I don't want to reiterate uh, Todd's, but he let me read that, by the way, before he gave it to you, that little stint on finances here in the church. And it was awesome. And it was awesome. One point on that, by the way, what was my recommendation, DJ? I said, I'll just take a pay cut. I'll be like Paul with the Corinthians. If they want to be that ridiculous and stingy and never up their giving and even those inflation and all this other stuff, blah, 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 blah. That's between them and the Lord. You see what I just did? I took a big old wrapper, wrapped it around the ridiculous situation, and said, it's your problem, Lord. I know you've got my back. You deal with them. And that's what DJ did, which was awesome. Anyways, towards self, when it's time to give... Uh, your needs are no, your so-called needs, by the way, are no more important than anybody else's. And by the way, if anybody in here thinks you're down to the level where you're scraping against your bare needs, by God's definition, you come see me in the office. I'll even, I will withhold my leadership meeting, and I will tell you a hundred ways on the spot how that is a BS lie. And how you have no reason whatsoever as a member of this family to show up with alligator arms. You, you follow? That's called partiality towards self. How about towards others willing to feed your flesh? Oh, isn't that a big one? Right? I like this person, though, because they feed my flesh. I have a certain weakness, and they're always there to, like, say, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm with you. Yeah, I want, I want to run this little pathway over here with you for a little while. Right? And you got your little running buddy, right? And you're really running away from the Lord, right? And you make provision for that thing. That's what partiality looks like. So there's a ton of different ways that partiality shows up. And you know what? In every single way, when you exercise it, you are damaged. You lose. There are many more areas we could identify with ease, but these are some common ones that I've witnessed. Uh, and, pro and let me see, yeah, pretty much I've done everything, right? Uh, if you've been humble during this message, here's some more encouragement for you up here on the board. Matthew 13, 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. It's wonderful to be able to see it the way we see it, to see it all as truth. If you're unlike that baby who refuses to ingest what's good for them, then according to Jesus, you will be blessed. The Bible never says that if we act in partiality, that we will be blessed. The Bible never says that. In fact, if you study it out, you'll find that partiality being a sin is a curse. 
And here's the thing I was thinking about. It's infectious like a communicable disease. Partiality tends to spread. Right? It spreads. It's like a communicable disease. It's funny. The world is so preoccupied with the coronavirus, and yet there is or are much, much greater diseases spreading throughout this world. One such disease is partiality. Again, just to bring this, excuse me, this full circle, partiality is a thief. Think about that. It is. If we want to live a life of peace and contentment, we've got to live a life of integrity. Of integrity. When you live a life of integrity, this is the most beautiful thing of all. It's so perfect. When you live a life of integrity to the word of truth, you're unflappable. Like we just learned, they are not opposed to you. They are opposed to me, says the Lord. If you have integrity to him, what does the Bible say? Cast all your anxieties on me because I care for you. I will bear the load. Just, you don't take that on. Let me take it on. That's the beauty of integrity. He takes all the load. So if we want to live a life of peace and contentment, we've got to live a life of integrity. Uh, For some of you, it really does mean there has to be a lifestyle change. Some decisions have to be made in your life. You can always get off that vector, by the way. There's no such thing as so much fleshly momentum that you can't have an exit strategy. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can always get off that train. Some of you are like, but I made decisions like years ago that this is the way I was going to live my life. Get off the train. You follow what I'm getting at? Just say, you're on the subways, you pull that little thing, or the bus, and the subway driver goes, or the bus driver goes, okay. Someone wants to get off right here. You have that ability. Just pull it. I'm going to get off this train. This train's evil. I didn't realize it before. I realize it now. I'm going to get off this train. That's what it means to live a life of integrity. But don't wait. I mean, don't make excuses about, well, my life has so much momentum and things are going to change so drastically. Who are you loyal to? If we want to live a life of peace and contentment, we've got to live a life of integrity. That is Jesus' impeccable example to us. To allow partiality into our thinking is to be robbed of our eyesight, our ability to see it all as truth. Things become muddy at that point. As soon as you have this, you're like, or even worse, you know, you ever been like so drunk, not me personally, but you ever been so drunk that you have double vision? You're like, that's what pot. Did you guys actually see my eyeballs doing that? That actually hurt. I don't know what I did. I think I just pulled a muscle. (laughs) Ephesians 5 13 to 14a. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. That's all we want to do. We just want to see it all as truth the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, I didn't realize I was on that train. Didn't realize it didn't come together until just now. And I'm like, you know, three stops away from home base, which is Jesus. Get off the train then. Just get off. Go to John 1.1. I want you to concentrate. 
Again, the point of the board, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. In other words, truth. Right? When anything is exposed by the truth, it becomes visible. You don't want to see it through the wrong lens because then it's a lie. You want to see it through a godly lens. And that's when it becomes light. That's when it becomes truth. Even if it's ugly. And it might be the train you're on. John 1.1 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right, let me ask you this question. How many true sources of this light are there in this world? You ready? Here it is. Ta-da! One. Unity. That's it. One. There's only one true source of light. That's it. You're looking at it. It's the Bible. One. This means that if this singular light is the source of visibility, of, you know, seeing it all as truth, and this light is wholly spiritual. Let me back up. If this singular light is the source of visibility, of seeing it all as truth, and this light is wholly spiritual by its very nature, not kind of spiritual, it is wholly, W-H-O, wholly spiritual by its very nature. What do you say about a recurring principle up here on the board then? Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one. The Word of God is wholly spiritual. There's only one light. Didn't we just decide that together? One light, one truth, one lens, one mind. That's it. That's it. So guess what? Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one because this is spiritual. Shall we introduce false wisdom, counterfeit light into our point of view due to partiality? Shall we purposely and conveniently accommodate the human flesh by choosing to look at parts of reality? If you're on the board, part. The word part is the root word for partiality. Don't look at part of it. Look at your whole life. Don't look at part of your life and say, you're doing pretty darn good right there, fella. Right? Look at your whole life. Because you're going to look at your whole life and go like, ooh, ooh. But I only want to look at part of my life, like the good stuff. I want to be religious. I want to, you know, do that thing. I don't, I don't want to see it all as truth. I only want to see the good stuff as truth. That's why I curse that bald guy when he starts talking about my parenting skills or my partiality proper or whatever it is you take an issue with, you choose I only want to look at part of my life. I only want to look at part of my kid's life. I only want to look at part of my loved one's lives. I, I don't want to see it all as truth. Hmm. That's called partiality. Our goal is to see it all as truth, not only part of it. This goes with every circumstance in life, which means that spiritual truth is the light we must shine on all circumstances. James 1, 7 to 8. Choosing to look at only part of something or someone is to be double-minded, and that's this recurring principle up here on the board. 
in Holy Scripture. I even give you the Greek on this one, so it gets driven home. James 1, 7, 8, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded, dipsukos. It means double-souled, split-minded. It's this. That's what I've been saying all morning. That's this. this is dipsukos. This is Christ. This is dipsukos. This is the person acting in integrity. This is the person acting in, uh, with partiality. That's it. Right? And that, that person, I didn't say that. What's that last thing say? That man is unstable in all his ways. Nobody's at peace when they're unstable. That's the antithesis of being at peace. That's the antithesis of contentment. Literally. So, that's what I said at the start of class. If you want, uh, raise your hand if you want instability, lack of peace, and lack of contentment. Okay, nobody, right? Then you don't want partiality at any level. That's it. That's it. It's, it and, and if you think that way, doesn't life just get a lot easier? Instead of, you know, maintaining little pockets of partiality, you know, well, what rules apply to this person? Well, I apply this set of rules to my kids, and then I have this set of rules for my friends, and then I have this set of rules at work, and then I have this set of rules for myself, and then for everybody else, okay, then I'll function by the rules of the Word of God. That's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. And what happens if you start disliking some of these people? Oh. Right? Got to start erasing that favorability out. Right? It's a lot of work. In my book, that's a lot of work. I think it's just easier just to go, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to trust God. That's it. To me, that's a lot easier. I don't know. Before we close, 1 John 4, 1, go there. That's why we keep coming back to 1 John 4, 1. I think I'll end here. 1 John 4, 1. This is why we keep coming back here, my friends. All right? All kinds of spirits. Right? There's a thing called the spirit of disobedience in this world. That is literally the modus operandi of a fleshly person. It's a spirit of disobedience. Remember, they can't do anything that's pleasing to the Lord. So, what do we do? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. I'll leave you with this up here on the board. Integrity to truth. All I can tell you is if you want freedom in this world, in this life, have integrity. Let the cards fall where they may. You're going to be persecuted. Jesus promised you that, right? Promised it, did you? Promised you that, right? If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. The world, the world doesn't love you. It loves itself. If you love me, it's going to hate you. If you love the world, it loves its own. So if you want to, like, you know, rally up with the world, hey, go, go for it. But you will not have my peace. You won't. This I promise. And if you think you will, you just, are, just became a dipsukos in, in yet another way. That's really connected because you're being partial to yourself, right? 
Right? I'm going to have my own rules. God loves me so much that he's going to allow me to be this way and this way, and we're going to call it one way. No. No. Just have integrity. Integrity is like, you know what I mean? You ever, have, you ever own a camera, right, with an adjustable lens, right? And you go, and it goes, whoop. And the focal point hits perfect, right? The focal point would be over here. It was way out there, and you're trying to get here. When you turn that thing, it zips it right to the point where there's total clarity. That's what integrity looks like. You increase integrity, it's like, and it gets clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. Boom! Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. See it all as truth. It's right there. Full clarity. And you go, whoa, this is awesome. And all I have to do is just say, that's that. That's that. And that's that. Now I can go home. You know what I'm saying. But that's it. That's the end of my work. I don't have to go, oh, man. Look at all these little orbs of partiality. Okay, 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 okay. okay. What is the word? The word says this. Now, oh, no, that don't fit. So this, oh, maybe it kind of fits. I don't know. Now you got to go around your little ridiculous world of partiality, and it's work, and you can't sleep at night. Why? Why can't you sleep at night? Why don't you like yourself very much? Why don't you like other people very much? Why don't you? You answer all those questions for yourself. I guarantee it's because you don't have integrity. I guarantee you're suffering because you don't have integrity to the word of truth. I guarantee it. Not I. And if you reject that, I know that you're not rejecting me. You see how I just applied it? You see that? You guys, you want to back up? Zip, 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 zip. I know that if you reject that, you're not rejecting me. Third time's a charm, too bad. That's the whole point. That's the beauty of integrity. You're untouchable. Integrity of truth. If every circumstance in life is a spiritual one, and it is, then shouldn't we be testing every spirit by default? We don't want to only see a part of the truth. For example, counterfeit spirits will speak some truth to gain our trust. We want to see all of it and accept it with integrity for all the reasons I just listed. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying your word. We know that it is the truth and the truth alone that sets us free, Father. Thank you for imposing this truth on our souls, this unavoidable truth, Father. We just ask for your blessings and your spirit's encouragement as we take these things back to the privacy of our own souls, back to our homes, and then your will be done, possibly out to a world that's just decaying. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.